0: Oh, okay.
1: tonight, blessed be his holy name, let your people proclaim, hallelujah, just a wonderful presence here tonight, amen, maybe we could just bow in a word of prayer, heavenly father, let your people proclaim you're holy, you're a holy God, Lord. And we don't have a holy church, but it's a God and a people, Lord, that you'd come and you'd make us clean and holy in your sight, Lord Jesus, we want to welcome you, Lord. We want to welcome and receive the word in our midst, oh God. Have a place that's open in the manger of our heart as we'd even approach this Christmas season, Lord. I pray there'd be room in our inn, Lord, for you to come by and make your abode with us, oh God. I pray that we could welcome you, Lord. There was a time where they looked for an inn to take the baby Jesus, but Lord, there's a time now where we can welcome you and have you birthed in our hearts and in our lives. I pray that you'd be welcome here, Lord Jesus. We love you. We thank you, Lord. We love one another, Lord, and we want to just give ourselves to you this evening, Lord. I pray you'd take the the little thought you've put on my heart, Lord. I pray that you'd get me out of the way, Lord, that I'd have nothing to do with it. I pray that you'd just move in a special way, that you'd guide us, you'd lead us tonight, speak to your people, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. That's all this thing will do. Thank you. Say um, to Gabe Kessler wherever he is, Happy birthday! I think it was his 18th birthday yesterday. That's it. It's amazing how people grow up and things change. And I used to be 18, and now I don't know. But God bless you. uh, I'll say thank you as well for all. uh, While we're turning, we can turn to um, Second Peter chapter one, First Corinthians chapter thirteen. I'll say thank you for all the prayers while we were away and for the wedding and for all the different things. And we're very blessed. And so God has been very good. We had a chance to, on our honeymoon visit, Morocco and Egypt, stop in London. And it was, it was a wonderful trip. I, Brother Ed was mentioning something about uh, some kind of mission or honeymoon report or something. But if he stays tuned, there'll be something for you. But and God bless you for the, the sermon this morning as well, Brother Ed. We, we, may we have that sincerity to the word. And God bless you for the, the vision and for the heart for the church. Second Peter chapter 1, verse, verses 3 to 10. This is a familiar scripture from the message, Stature of a Perfect Man, and I want to focus in on one of the elements from the statue of a Perfect Man tonight, but it might take me a little bit to, to zero in on it, but... According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby we are given exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they shall make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins." Wherefore, the brethren, the rather brethren, this is an amazing verse. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. May God help us. May God help us to live that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2. This is a powerful section of scripture on love. Though I have this, though I have that, but have not charity, I'm nothing. And I'll just read a verse that might, we'll see how it comes out as the service goes. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But, and though I bestow all my goods, sorry, verse two, I'm sorry. First Corinthians 13, verse two. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, Remember, the scripture says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's the baseline. So without faith, you're not even pleasing God. But it says there, if I have all faith, so you should be pleasing God, maybe, but have not charity, I'm nothing. I have all the faith in the world to remove mountains, but without love, it still says you're nothing. God help us. We'll just. God bless. You, you can have your seats, and we'll read one more scripture in First John chapter one, verse seven. Maybe I'll just read it as we would get settled. It says, "But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin." Tonight, I maybe I'll uh, tonight by the help of God, I want to I look at this topic of brotherly kindness. It's right at the top of the pyramid that Brother Branham would preach on the stature of a perfect man. It would be right before the capstone of love comes down. And how many knows that Brother Branham would preach the message of stature of a perfect man and he would lay out the ages of Ephesus with faith and virtue and knowledge, and he would lay all the way up to the capstone coming down. How many knows what the virtue that was tied to the Laodicean church age was? Brotherly Kindness. Many times we think it's love, the capstone, the capstone, but the capstone has to meet something. The capstone has to meet a human part. The capstone, that section, has to meet something big enough to receive the right width and shape and height. If it's not shaped up and our brotherly kindness isn't big enough to receive the capstone, if we're not in the right place for it, it can't come down. The age that we are to overcome in in Laodicea is not just, the, the capstone love comes down, but what we have to overcome, our part in it, is brotherly kindness, our feeling towards one another. So that means we'll be tested and tried on how we get along with each other. That is the test of the age, really. What we're supposed to achieve in the Laodicean church age, how do we relate to one another? Brotherly kindness. It's quite the thought. So that it means, I'm just going right into a thought and we'll go all the way around this, but that means we'll have trials that make us rub each other the wrong way. That's what that means. In order for you to get patience, you'll have to wait. In order for you to have faith, you'll have to be faced with doubtful circumstances. So in order for you to have brotherly kindness, you're going to have to have a brother that you're going to have to learn to be kind to. God help me. That's a challenge. But by God's grace, we'll look at that a little bit tonight. Perhaps maybe before we get started, I'll just interject. I, I had mentioned we had the chance to visit Morocco and Egypt and, well, the, and, and London. And while the message is in London, the message is just maybe has grassroots in, in Egypt. We didn't get to meet any believers there, but we did get to meet a, a pastor in Morocco. And uh, just he wanted to pass his greetings along to the church. And so there, there's believers in Morocco, northern Africa, and a little city called, a big city called Casablanca. I think there might be more in other places, but there's more mission work to do may we pray as we go locally or as we go other different places may God lead the right people to the right places may the message spread Morocco is a place where it's Islamic just like just like Egypt it's an Islamic country and especially Morocco Egypt you can worship maybe easier but you can't worship the same way here we worry about cold and all that but there they have to worry about maybe their own safety and how to how they can worship quietly and May we pray for the believers in much more difficult circumstances than what we have. Brotherly kindness. I thought about this, and Brother Brandon would say how, how you treat others. I believe it, Brother Brandon would say it, but I believe it's a principle one way or another. How you treat others is how you treat Christ. And Brother, uh, some time ago there was a theme that had gone in the ministry through about our thought life. The, th- the things we think about, the things we dwell on in our thoughts... And Brother Andrew preached that service, the maturity of a thought, how when when it comes to sin and the, the epitome of sin, even David's sin, it would have had to start with a thought that if he would have killed it early on, it wouldn't have caused that. Everything starts from our thought life. So I thought, could I say it this way, how you think about your brother and sister is how you think about Christ. My God help me. How we think about one another is the all the way that leads to issues and troubles and struggles and trials. But how we think about it, how do we think about Christ? That's Christ and your brother and your sister. The scripture says in Philippians, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Most of every struggle that can happen is because there's a pride element in it. One side, the other, this, that. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Brother Brandon would make the statement that eternal life is living for others. I think he would even say, the greatest pleasure I know is when I can live for others. We know this quote as a church, Brother Max had preached on it, and it just comes back to me. If this church right now could be put together and knitted together with such that every person could be in one accord, with not one shadow of doubt, which is the opposite of faith, but we'll also show that's the opposite of love as we go, is the one shadow of doubt anywhere, there would not be a feeble person in our midst in another five minutes. If we could get that one thing, There would not be nobody here desiring the Holy Ghost, but that would receive it if you could just get that certain thing fixed. What is it? It's that love, that brotherly kindness, those two things coming together that makes the church work and fit together. Now, he says, there is where that battle begins, right in your mind, whether you will. It's a choice to make. The thought, the approach, the response I take towards my brother and my sister But the greatest battle ever fought starts right here in our thought. How do we think about one another? I'll just take a little detour. This is from The Way to Have Fellowship, 1955. If you get a chance to listen to it, listen to it. Brother Brandon would say, but how that every person desires fellowship. I've never seen anyone yet who did not desire fellowship. That is all right mentally balanced. Now you might want to pick your fellowship. We all do. Of course, that's true to every one of us, Brother Branham says. That's the reason tonight that there's all these fine people have packed out here in this building to a place where they're standing is because they like this type of fellowship. We're not out somewhere else on a Sunday night, but we're in church because we like this kind of fellowship. They like Christian fellowship. And that's why we come here tonight to fellowship around the word. Dropping down. And may God help us to realize how that we can have a perfect fellowship. No matter where storms come, whether you're right or wrong, you can still have fellowship. And the only way you can have fellowship is your love perfects. Don't never forget me. If I don't see some of you no more, remember this, that my theme is love covers it all. Brother Branham says, I believe in the redeeming love of the Lord Jesus. I like this song. He says, "Ere since by faith I saw the stream, thy flowing wounds supply. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. I would rather have a church. Listen just a moment, he says. I would rather have a church that knows nothing about any spiritual gift and just be so in love with one another just be so in love with each other and with Christ, I'd rather have that than every spiritual gift operating in the church. Now, that might sound hard in a Pentecostal group, but I would rather have it where there's gifts, they'll fail. Where there's gifts, they'll bring confusion. Where there's gifts, they can be questioned. But where there's love, it's perfect. That's right. If you had perfect love, you'd have perfect gifts. That's right. So work with first with love. That brings fellowship, and fellowship brings the gifts. We want the whole package. I want the gifts in the church, and I want the love in the church to come and produce all that God would have. This age is not to, even now in this age, we can say, well, tongues was from Pentecost. No, tongues is for now and for today, but let's get it in order. Every part, every gift, we want everything. And we want it right from the right channel, from the inside out, from a born-again experience and a life that's lived and that flows out. Fellowship, the first and original fellowship that human beings had was with God. There wasn't even another living creature on earth that he could fellowship with, Adam, but God. Then God made him a helpmate, a wife, which is a part of him. Dropping down, Job, the oldest book in the Bible, he longed for fellowship. He knew that there was a creator and he believed him with all his heart. He said in a child way of saying it, oh, if I could only get to him. If I only knew where he lived at. So many times we get torn up with the things of life and we long for that presence of God, that that peace, that something comes down and, and then you feel all right again and all aligned and in the right place. Oh, if I could only get to him. If I only knew where he lived at. If I could go up and knock on his door and talk to him just a while, wouldn't we all love to do that? But think, Brother Branham says, he's closer to you than his door. His door is your heart. He's so close tonight, he's closer than your right arm is. He's part of you. And if we can only realize that he's here and how he wants to have fellowship with us, his heart is greater for fellowship than ours are. And the reason he makes us that way, because we're offspring of his, that's what makes us long for fellowship. Brother Brandon would go into a story about the, uh, maybe before or after, but in this message about the bull and the bees and how love came in and changed the circumstance. He says, I've often thought that Adam and Eve out in the garden, knowing no sin, or Eve's wife, beautiful, standing in the garden, and then Leo the lion would come up and here comes the tiger, great beasts of the field, kneeling on their knees dropping down. There was no death nowhere kind of going through it. The devil is what makes wild animals want to hurt you. And if you can produce in your heart the right kind of a love towards the most horrible beast in the world, in the woods or desert, that beast won't harm you. That's right. I know it by experience, but you can't pretend it. He knows whether you do or not. There's something about him that he knows it. But if you're really not afraid, And we want to look at the opposites of fear. But if you're really not afraid, I've never seen anything that would hurt you. No matter a lion, whatever it might be, he'll walk away from you. The trouble with man tonight dropping down, that's the trouble with people tonight. You're scared. The biggest curse there is on the full gospel people or any other people is because they're afraid. God has made the provisions. To take him at his word. The promises of God. God's made these provisions, but you're afraid to take his word for it. If you wasn't afraid tonight, why? You would take your healing by faith because God promised it. There's only two faculties that govern a human. One of them is faith, which brings results. And the other is fear, which has no value in it at all. Brother Moses preached a sermon called, There's No Virtue in Worry. There's no virtue whatsoever. Faith is of God. Fear is of the devil fear makes you worry, weary, fear makes you wonder, and if I was going to die in the morning, what good would it do to get all stewed up? Don't be weary, don't be scared, wished I had the time, And and he begins to tell the story of the bull, and he goes, and we know the story, so I'll drop into it, he has a gun, he didn't have the gun, actually he left it, there's a bull, it's charging him, something happened, Brother Branham says, oh God, If that would only stay there instead of going away, he says. Something happened. I wish God would let it happen to everyone here tonight just long enough to get healed. There's a statement. He's talking about divine love. Not just faith even, but a furtherance of faith. And we'll go to it. A furtherance of faith. He's talking about divine love. If that would come just long enough for everyone to get healed, he says. Something happened that I wasn't scared of the bull. I felt sorry because I disturbed him. He loved the bull. I would say he even had a kindness towards the bull. I was in his field. He was laying out there not bothering me. I come along and woke him up. And so I felt sorry for him. God help us to live in that place, in that channel, in that place where we'd be sensitive to one another would be sensitive to the people around us, the worldly people around us, the people we work with, that we would care how they feel, how we, how we treat them in a place that we could reach them. Brother Branham says, love will conquer anything. Love will conquer anything. The way to have fellowship. And when you separate from divine love, then you can't overlook your brother's mistakes no more. You've got to ball him out for it, it says. That's right. When you have love, you could overlook. But when you, ha- when, you, when you separate yourself from it, you've got to ball him out for it. You can't overlook sister's mistakes no more because you've got away from the divine part. But if you really love the Lord Jesus, if sister or brother does something to you, oh, well, that's all right. They didn't mean to do that. I say, that's not human, that's divine. (laughs) That's not human, that is divine. They didn't mean to do it. That's the kind of love that Christ had. Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. That's the same love he had towards us when we were rotten sinners in our spot and in our state where no one could love us or look to us. So what love ought we to express to those around us? What if he'd held my sins against me? What an awful person I was. But he loved me so well that he forgave me for them. When I was undone, he forgave me. He loved me a pure love. And when Adam separated himself from pure love of keeping God's word in his heart, when he did that, these other faculties came in. Malice, envy, strife, hatred, so forth. I wonder if we could turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Is this all right so far? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. And here's here's the task. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Dropping down to, if I can, to, I think it's verse 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth to his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Don't give him any place. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him work labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers and grieve not the holy spirit of god whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you in all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. These words have a, some kind of cleansing effect, some kind of almost inspiring effect as you, you imagine that kind, tender heartedness one towards another. A picture can come to your mind. That's the picture that we ought to live. That's the goal that we ought to have as Christians. The doctrine, the truth, all of the things of, that, that we build up and understand and know, that's good. That's, but what it has to produce is a life that goes all the way to a capstone of love. It has to produce that. Otherwise, there's something that's missing that God still needs to work on. The book of James, if we could turn to James chapter 2. I'm just going to go around a little bit. And I want to look at this little relation between faith which is the bottom of the pyramid, and love, which is coming down on the top. And we'll look at how brotherly kindness kind of intersects it, if that's okay. This is James chapter chapter two. James chapter two. My brethren, have not the faith, so this is the baseline, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respective persons. Brother Donnie Reagan touched on this. What if a story were to be told and this is what happened, this was the situation, it was bad and there was no names attached and then you attach the names to it, would our judgment change based on, oh, I know, oh that, oh, there was that person, oh, what, or, oh, it was that person, I can't believe they would do that. We'll give them a lighter sentence. Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand there, or sit there under my footstool. Are you not then partial in yourselves and, and become judges of evil thoughts? And he begins to go on. Now, we know this scripture. I'm going to drop through a second. I want to make a point of this as from a few verses from now. We know that the Bible would say, if you commit adultery, but you don't kill, you're still guilty of the law, right? Or if you, if you, if you kill and you don't commit adultery, you're still guilty of the law. You, you sin, you're guilty of the law. Yeah. It's black or white, ultimately. There's sin somewhere, even if you, do, if you do this, but you don't do that. If you do the little thing, but the big thing. James makes this point. But right before that, the precursor, what the point he's actually getting at, is this, he says this in verse nine, but if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors for whosoever shall keep the whole law yet infend in one point, he's guilty of all. Then he says, for he that said do not commit adultery also said do not kill. He goes into this point. So he says in verse nine, if you have respect to persons, it's the same as all the other sins. We don't see it that way. Because the respect to persons may never even come out of our mouth. It's how we thought about the situation. It's the motive that we had when we approached the situation. It's the direction that we took, the leaning that we had, that was all in our mind the whole time. Our thought life, our motives, our objectives. But it's wrong. But God can help us. And I think that God comes and he washes us and he cleanses us. One thing I find is sometimes you can get caught up and you have maybe a motive or an objective or a thought or something that wouldn't be right. When you get into the presence of God and then you go do the same thing, you don't have that same motive. It's cleansed. The pride or the feeling or the something, God comes and gives you a pure motive. A pure objective, a pure something that just cleanses us and we have this open channel to do maybe the same thing, but the right way, with the right thought, the right attitude, the right prayer, the right something, or the right direction. Now, the bottom of the pyramid in the statue of a perfect man was faith, and then it was virtue and knowledge, temperance, and it built its way up to brotherly kindness and charity. If we could turn to Galatians chapter 5, I want to look at this part about how faith and love are connected. The whole pyramid is a, is a complete, what it makes, when the capstone comes down, Brother Brandon would say, it makes a complete unit. It's a whole piece. It's the body of Christ completed. It's, it can be adopted. There's something that it can be fully sealed. There's something that happens. Maybe not sealed, but fully completed. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, "...stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace." For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith, the baseline, the bottom of the pyramid, the foundation, the fundamental foundation of faith. For in Jesus Christ, circumcision availeth nothing, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Faith which worketh by love. Brother Ed, you just jumped right over the one scripture that I want was maybe a theme for tonight a little bit or something that would fit. Jesus would say, the two great commandments are this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And in this fulfills all the law and all the prophets. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. Faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. When we have faith, we please God. God can see our faith. Faith is an invisible thing. It's the sixth sense. I can't see your faith. Only God can. What I can see is if you love your neighbor. Because what is that? The faith being expressed in a way, in a tangible form, there's a works element that's come out now, that love towards one another, love your neighbor as yourself, We know in the book of James, he was one that looked at how faith could be expressed by the works to others. Whereas Paul looked at how God saw your faith. But when man sees your faith, what we can see is the love that you have towards one another. I still can't see your sixth sense faith, but I can see the way you treat me and you treat others around you. I'll just read this, 1 John chapter 4. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be a propitiation. For, sorry, to be a perpetuation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God... God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God had to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, before we go to the next verse, I don't feel like I'm maybe going to bring this point out like I wanted to be able to bring it out, but faith... And there's probably much better ways to prove it if, with more study, but faith is perfected in love. Faith works by love, but faith, when it's perfected, comes up to a capstone of love. It has to. That's the complete unit. It's all the same thing. That's, this whole pyramid isn't separated people. It's Jesus Christ. So the complete unit, the complete body of Jesus is when the capstone of love comes down. So when your faith is perfected, love comes We know that faith and doubt are not related to one another. In fact, it's faith that overcomes doubt. It overcomes fear. But we know as we grow in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, we still fight with doubts as our faith grows. It grows, we fight more, we fight more, but there's still levels of doubt, there's still things that come. But when love comes and our faith is perfected, Let's see what verse 18 says. There is no fear in love. Because perfect love casts out all fear. What is perfect faith? It's when it's all complete. And there's no, there's no way you could doubt God. Because you fully believe God. Because you've got the capstone. You've got the whole completed unit. There's no fear whatsoever. It's all gone. Because love came, because you're completed, the whole picture comes together. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. I guess it doesn't say all fear, but I would say when perfect love comes, they don't relate. It casts out fear. Because fear hath torment, he that feareth is still not yet made perfect in love. Though he's on the way, though he has faith, though he has virtue, though he has temperance, it's coming up the way. Brother Branham says, perfect faith is a master of all circumstances. Kind of sounds like when Brother Branham would say, love conquers it all. Perfect faith masters all circumstances. Now, faith and love, they're not the same thing. But they work together. They're relation. We'll get to this in this quote. Faith worketh by love, is what the quote had said before. No matter what it is, it masters it, it. Now, just watch. When you believe anything, do anything, and you've got faith in what you're doing, no matter what the circumstance is, that don't have one thing to do with it. See, it masters that circumstance. In a room of sickness, the Lord's revealed this and that certain thing's going to happen. you just speak it and go on. Why? You have faith in what God had. It's quickened by the love you have for the Lord, that trust you have, that something that you have. They work together. I shouldn't maybe make it that they're the same. They're not. but they build up to the same full unit. Faith believes that God will work it out. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he'll do it anyhow. It masters all circumstances. Faith, Perfect faith. Brother Branham says this, and faith and love is relation. Because you can't have faith unless you got love. Because your faith is in a God who is the very essence of love. I don't know exactly how you divide that, but faith and love works Together. So now we can go to 1 Corinthians 13, and it says, though I'd give my body to be burned, or that's maybe the 13, this, this one. And though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries, though I have all faith, that I could remove mountains. But if it's not perfected by love, I still have nothing. I still am nothing. There's still something to come and complete me. Jesus was approached by a lawyer that asked him, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, what's written in the law? How readest thou? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said, and Jesus. Jesus, and he said, thou hast said right, this do and thou shalt live, and I'm kind of jumping through, and he, willing to justify him, said unto Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus goes to tell a story of the great Samaritan, or the good Samaritan, sorry, the good Samaritan. How do we treat those around us? I won't read the story, but that's the story that Jesus would use to illustrate who is my neighbor. Who am I supposed to love? The scripture says, in, in, in the, um, "You know what? I'm going to jump in, brother Mark. If you could just pull up this slide, brother Ed. If you watch close, there's a there's a honeymoon picture on this uh, on this slideshow. We know that uh, that that one there. That's all you get. But this was when we were in Egypt. Um, this is the the three pyramids uh, in Giza. Giza and Cairo are right." kind of separated by the Nile River and they're kind of make almost what feels like a big oversized huge city um, and you'll see on the far left that is the great pyramid the one that Enoch would have designed and built and been a part of if you can kind of see the top it looks a little bit flatter maybe it won't look from that picture but the capstone I think they might say it was lost or something happened but it never it didn't fit I guess it would have been even maybe rejected maybe they built it however it was but it was never put on the pyramid So we got a chance to see it. It was was very cool. Recommend if you ever get the chance. Um, But Brother Branham would preach the stature of a perfect man, building with the pyramid and looking at brotherly kindness. I want to look at a couple of quotes that I found that have come that have struck me about brotherly kindness that would fit in and around the themes of brotherly kindness. And maybe I have a remote. I'm not used to doing this. We read this one, but let me read it again in the context of everything we've looked at. I'd rather have a church that knows nothing about any spiritual gift, and just be so in love with each other. And with Christ, I'd rather have that than every spiritual gift operating in the church. That might sound hard in a Pentecostal group, but where there's gifts, they'll fail. Where there's gifts, they'll bring confusion. Where there's gifts, they can be questioned. But where there's love, it's perfect. Then the gift will be right. Then it'll be perfect. And if you had perfect love, you'd have perfect gifts. So work first with love. That brings fellowship. And fellowship brings gifts. Brother Branham speaking, anointed ones of the end time. And now many times I forget to recognize the ministers. He was probably standing on the platform, ministers around. I get or perhaps around different places. I guess our brother, Brother Neville, a precious man. These other brethren here, he says, we're happy to have you. Not that we disagree with you, brother, to be different. So he did disagree with them. Many of you might be Trinitarian preachers. We don't want to be angry with you. We love you. If we didn't, if I didn't believe that, I'd never leave this church till I got down there on my knees and said, God, make me right. The scripture says, let love be without dissimulation. And what dissimulation is, is hypocrisy, pretend, feigning, dissimulation is basically shaking your hand with a smile and not meaning it. That's right. Let love be genuine. Amen. Brother Branham is saying, if I, we love you and if we didn't, if I didn't believe that, if I didn't believe that when I said it, he said, I'd never want to leave this church until I knew I was right in my heart again. I don't want that arrogant, selfish spirit mixed up with mine. And I want to say, God help me. This is not human, this is divine. I have not overcome God help us all. This is the spot that the Laodicean age has to reach and overcome. This is the battle of our age in order to receive the capstone. I don't want that arrogant, selfish spirit mixed up with mine. I want my spirit to be pure and clean, brotherly love, holy with the Holy Spirit. Now, if someone does anything wrong to me, that's all right. And though I might have the right to get back at them, I don't want that in my life. No, I want to have love. I want to be ready to correct with love, with love that absolutely answers out yonder for it. I don't have kids, but I I, I think when when you, well, I'll just say, I imagine a kid can feel whether or not you corrected in love or not, or whether it was anger. But they know the difference. You'll feel the difference. That's the correction we want, is to know daddy still loves me, mommy still loves me. That's my parenting. I'm done with that. We want to keep it, Brother Branham says in the message, humble thyself. We want to keep it running smoothly, sweetly, and in the order of the Lord. So just remember that your part may be the mainspring or maybe the little, some little hand or some little part or the winding stem, whatever it may be, or maybe it'd be the hands on the face of the clock that tells the time. But whatever it is, it takes us all working together in the harmony with the gospel of Jesus Christ to bring this to pass. Just think, if gifts is so great, what we call power, that Paul said, though I have the faith to move a mountain and have not charity, I'm nothing. You know, and though you say, well, I understand, I wish I know the Bible. Though I understand all the mysteries of God. And still, though I could do it and have not charity, I'm nothing. I haven't got nowhere yet. See, the main thing is, love God and humble yourself with it. Now, surely after all these years in the field and around the world and seeing different people, I ought to know a little bit about the gate to enter in at, Brother Branham says. And if you want to get somewhere with God, never let an arrogant spirit come around you. Don't let no malice in. No matter what anyone has done, if they're wrong, don't you ever never build a complex against that person. See, you be sweet and kind. Remember, God loved you when you were in sin. And if the Spirit of God is in you, you love the other person when he's in wrong. Just pray for them and love one another. There's moments to correct. There's moments to say something, but in love. Not just because, the, but in love. Above everything, love God and love one another, and be humble with God and around one another, and God will bless us, and it's hard telling what he will do. If you could get that one thing settled, Brother Brown would say, in not another five minutes, everyone would be healed. The Holy Ghost would, everyone that's desiring. Usually when a church begins to get in numbers and get a little bigger or something like that, then they get away from that real thing. God help us to stay in the channel, stay focused in the right place. Don't you love Him? How many wants that to be in your heart, pure, your love, pure, warm, and changeless, a living fire? Faith of our Father's living still, how wonderful. Always remember, friends, love changes things. Just love. It'll do the work. Now love Him when you come. Now don't, when God's presence would come, now don't criticize Him when He begins to move. When he moves through your brother and sister at a service, don't criticize him. That's God. Just love him. Embrace him. Say, I love you, Lord. And Brother Branham would, in the message, Statue of a Perfect Man, he wouldn't say too, too much about what he would define. And I'm, I'm coming down to a close starting or to, starting to wind down. Starting. Going to focus in on a point or two here, if that's okay. It might take me a couple more minutes, but just so you know. Statue of a perfect man, he wouldn't actually say much more than I think pretty much this paragraph, these paragraphs on brotherly kindness. I'd have to go back and double check. But then there would be another message, he would follow it up with a little bit more about a half a month later. But he would say, and maybe there was something in between, but at least from the quick looks I looked at. Then sixthly, let's add, the Bible said here, adding brotherly love, brotherly kindness. He says, now that's a good one right here, the sixth Seventh, so it's actually the seventh one and love comes down. The capstone is eighth. Adding brotherly kindness. When we get to that, brotherly kindness, put yourself in his place on the matter. If there's an issue, if there's a dispute, if there's something that would happen, if there's this, what would, where might that other person be coming from? Both sides. And in any case, we always think we're right. And the other person does too. So what might they be thinking? How might they be coming at the issue? How might they be coming from? Where might they be coming from at? That's what brotherly kindness is, Brother Brandon would say. Put yourself in his place on the matter. Now you say, my brother sinned against me, said Peter. Shall I forgive him seven times a day? Jesus said 70 times seven. Brotherly kindness. Now you see, if a brother is all out of tune, don't be impatient with him. Be kind to him. Go anyhow. Brother Branham would talk now about the motive of why you would do this. Somebody said not long ago, How can you put believe all these things the way you do and still go to the assemblies of God and the oneness, all the rest? See, then put brotherly kindness. Then put see, brotherly kindness. See, see, hoping someday this is why you do this. See, patient with him, temperate, enduring with him, knowledge to understand what he believes. Remember, it's in his heart. That's what is. Virtue in yourself to let it go to let go out with meekness, meekness to him. This is why, brotherly kindness, hoping someday, having faith that someday God will bring him in. But if you would have pushed him away at the beginning, he wouldn't want to come to you. If we pushed him away at the beginning, he won't won't want to come back to you. But if he saw that love, that brotherly kindness, that something, as God brings him back around, he'll have a place, a place to land and call. He'll have something because someone showed brotherly kindness. Someone showed that, something that could be real, that could fit. If this church right now could be put together and knitted together with such, every person would be in one accord, not a shadow of doubt anywhere. There would not be another feeble person in our midst in another five minutes, if you could get that certain thing fixed. I wonder if we could turn the lights back on, and I'll just finish now with maybe a final piece to this. Brother Brandon would follow up, on the thought of brotherly kindness, a few, about a half a month-ish after, Snatch of a Perfect Man and the message, Blasphemous Names. And he'd recite the the dream of of Sister Shepherd. How many's ever heard that before? It's striking. Sister Shepherd would have a dream that, and I wonder if I can properly get to it, but maybe not. I, I have the quote that I'd like to read after, but maybe I can just go through it for one quick moment. She had a dream, and she was wondering if she had the Holy Ghost. That was her question. Do I have the Holy Ghost? And, and, and she began to, she, w- she was wringing her hands, thinking, Lord, have I got the Holy Ghost? Can you prove to me? Somebody says that because I shouted, or some because I spoke with tongues. Brother Brandon would use this dream as kind of a further expounding of what brotherly kindness is a few weeks later. So this is just the final piece, and I'm sure there's much more we could look at, but the final piece for tonight, Lord willing. I believe in all those things, those virtues speaking in tongues. But without this, there's something that's wrong. You've got a shell. And she was worried, so she laid down across the duofold where her husband was reading, and she went to sleep. And she dreamed she was up on a mountain. I kind of like to think of a pyramid, but Brother Branham said a mountain. And on this mountain, the best, I haven't got the paper before me, but I think it's like this. She dreamed that she saw a rock box. Like a framework, setting right in the top of this mountain. And her husband was just behind her. And she saw a large man standing there with work clothes on, sleeves rolled up, bailing the most pure water she had ever seen, and pouring it into this box. This rock box setting in top of the mountain. And the rock box would not hold the water. So this box was made of rock. Maybe it had cracks and little things. And as soon as you pour the water in, it would gush out, and it would gush out, and it wouldn't stay. And, just, and it rolled right out of there and just boiled up all the trash and sticks and everything in there and boiled it out and rolled down the mountain and it rolled over this trash and sticks and water. It rolls over her feet and she was standing right in that stuff, only it didn't stick to her. The water didn't stick to her. And then she asked why the box didn't hold it, the water. And the man said, that's not water, that's the Holy Ghost. Said nothing will hold it. So in this framework, this rock box, the church is what it is. The rock, well, Brother Brandon, we even preached the rock box confession is what he would say it is. But if we could type it to a church for a moment and think about how it would be, he would say, nothing will hold it. The Holy Ghost, it flows out and it washes the trash out, but it won't stay like it ought to. It won't stick like it ought to. And he went and got another big bucket and it was full of honey. And he poured the honey into there. He says, now it will hold this And she thought that box is a rock box, was going to burst forth and spill the honey. The water, the cracks and different things, it didn't let the water stay, but that honey, surely it won't let the honey stay, she thought. It would burst out and spill, but it didn't. Something stuck because of the honey. It finally stuck together and held it. She turned down and went down the mountain, and going down the mountain, she stopped at the bottom of the mountain and looked back. And she saw five streams of this pure crystal water, not contaminated by the things that it went through, still pure and clear, coming swiftly. Then it slowed up, then almost fading out. And she was wondering if it would ever reach the bottom of the mountain. Five streams. I think that's just about close to what happened. She said, "Isn't that right, Sister, Sister Shepherd?" Now here is the interpretation of her dream. She was bothered about the Holy Ghost, insomuch that she saw the box on the top of the mountain. Rock box is rock confession. Now, like Jesus said in the scripture, Peter said, who does the Son of Man, who does I to say the Son of Man am? Thou art the Christ. The confession. Now, on this revelation of who I am, I'll build my church. On this confession, on this revelation of who I am, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, Brother Branham would say, now, there's been, each church age has had that rock confession, up to this rock confession of the Laodicean. And now you cannot make a holy church. This is not a holy church. This is a building of, of wood. This is not a holy church. There is no such thing as a holy church or holy organization. The Holy Spirit can be preached in it. The water can flow. But in there, you'll find good, bad renegades, indifferent, and everything else. He's describing the people in the church. That's what he says. In it, you'll find good, bad, renegades, indifferent, and everything else. This is not a holy church. It's not an organization that's all holy in the building. And, but there's people in it that God comes and takes. If we live in church long enough, if we live in life long enough, we'll be disappointed by the people around us in church. There'll be some come, there'll be some go. The, just the Basic reality, Brother Branham said there's three kinds of believers. That is the blunt reality. of it. But in the middle of it all is God. In the middle of it all is a group of people full of the Holy Ghost. Don't let others disappoint you. Look to the God. Look to Christ. But how does a church stay together? The Holy Spirit can be preached in it, but in there you find good, bad, renegades, indifferent, everything else. So an organization will not hold. You cannot say, we've got it. None of the rest of them has it. No, sir. Amen. The Holy Spirit is poured out. It, sta- it goes in the box, but it flows out. But it's poured out on individuals. Amen. It's the individual. Amen. So therefore, the rock, this latter-day Pentecostal church, which has received the Holy Spirit, they did at the first, all through down through the ages, they received the Holy Spirit, but not in the measure that they have it now, because it's a restoration of the first. As we take the candlesticks, Alpha and Omega, how they lit the first and it went higher and higher, they got dimmer and dimmer and come back around again, first and last and so forth. But in this church age, the message is being poured out into the church. But the church body itself, in the altogether, like this tabernacle will say, that's where she comes to church, this tabernacle is not a Holy Ghost tabernacle. That's something to say about, it was Branham Tabernacle, and we'll say it about end time message Tabernacle. This is not a Holy Ghost Tabernacle. There is no such a thing. Brother Branham was ago, about to start preaching on the message, blasphemous names. People that would say they were Christian, we have a Christian church, and the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, that's just a lodge. That's not, that's blasphemous to say that that's, but there's people. We're the Tabernacles of God individuals that come to this church is the Holy Ghost tabernacles. Individuals, they are the tabernacles that contain the Holy Ghost. The the, the licks of fire go on individuals, not just on the building, but licks of fire fall on us as individuals that make up this church. And we come to the rock box. We come inside the box. But not the church in the body, a group. Therefore, it runs out. But what would make it stick? What would hold a church together? What would make it stay? If the water falls on individuals, and water falls on individuals, and it stays in us individuals, but if as a church we also need to move as a unit one way or another or this, what makes it stick? But what? This man who was pouring the water, the messenger of the church, pouring the message into the church, but what was the water doing? It was boiling out all the trash that was in it. That's what the Holy Ghost does. Boils it up now. Now the honey represented brotherly love, brotherly kindness, which is this age, he says. I just got through telling, see, of brotherly kindness, the age that we live in now. Now you might say, look, I I sure don't like Brother Neville. I sure don't like Brother Jones. I sure don't like Brother so-and-so and something like that but just let something happen to him. Brother, your heart is broke. It nearly killed you. See, we can obtain brotherly kindness and feeling for one another. He says, but to maintain it in a group of people. Why do you care for your brother? Because you broke bread with him at the altar, as you will tonight. There's something special about communion. Brotherly kindness seems to just light up in the church. It's something that seems to come. There's something that picks up an octave. What is it? It's the honey coming in. It's the glue. It's something that keeps these individuals in a rock box. You'd pour the water in, it can go, it boils out the trash, but it doesn't stay like it ought to until. Until that honey comes. You broke bread with him here at the altar as you will tonight. You have fellowship with him. You shook his hand. You worship with him. He's your brother. And he might do something in the flesh that you would disagree with because you, but you, you just kind of stay, which you oughtn't to, but you kind of shun him a little. But in the bottom of your heart, thank the Lord that's there. In the bottom of our hearts, if something would happen to your brother, it would just nearly kill you or that sister. It's there. It lives. It lives. That's God, that pyramid, I would even say, growing up inside of us and through us and expressing itself. I'm an old man. I was once young and now I'm old. I've seen it down through the age do that. Here people say, I just won't have no more to do with him. And something happens to that man. It nearly kills him. He thinks, oh God, I let my precious brother go without making friends with him. You see, see, it's brotherly love. He says about like when the honey was poured into the rock box and she wasn't sure if it was going to stay or not or or if the rock box is going to burst. Brother Brown says, it looks like it won't stick, but it does stick. The honey, it sticks. We'll have moments where we come to this or that or struggle and strife and it looks like it won't stick. It looks like it won't stay together, but it will stick. The brotherly love, brotherly kindness will go all the way. It'll reach greater love. What brotherly kindness meets the capstone. It has to be big enough, wide enough to meet the right size of a capstone. That's what is coming to distend on. Brother Jesus would say, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. That's the place we're coming we're coming to. That's what we need to have right before a body change we'll hate sin, we'll hate all those things, and it'll be so, and even the strife between our brother and sister, that that internal part, that internal flesh part will hate so much to the place will be changed, quickened, brought up a little higher, the church in unity, the church in its place, the church walking on with God. Now insomuch you come down there, down the hill, to the bottom of the hill now, this glorious water was gushing over the hills in five streams, five is the number of grace, J-E-S-U-S, F-A-I-T-H, G-R-A-C-E, five is the number of grace, five streams pouring down up there at the trough, right down here. Each one of those ages had that rock confession. The saints are sleeping, waiting, waiting, see, until this age, but soon the Holy Ghost, being poured out from Christ, will come and will seal up the church. The church will be raptured. It will be a complete unit of God when brotherly kindness can meet the capstone. It will be a complete unit of God, a bride for Christ, who will be the head of all things. Who will be the head of all things. May God bring that to my life. When something goes a little this way or something goes a little that way, that I don't let that little seed of bitterness or that little root of something start and then manifest out of my mouth and then this starts. And th- but that I could say, God, I want to get on my knees and pray. I don't do that very well. God needs to help me. That's not human. It's divine. God help us to come to that spot where we would look at our brother and see God behind this badger skin. That we could see how he's, you know what? He's even shaped that way for a purpose. That man that's this way and this way, oh, that means God can use him in that channel. And that woman that's like this, God can use her in that channel. That thing, this, that God, we can see how God can bring a body together from all different parts, all different places, and be able to build something. We, we were at the pyramids, and it's, it's something beautiful to see the Great Pyramid, how perfectly it's shaped, the lines and the angle and the shape. It's incredible. It is absolutely amazing. The chunks of stone, I think, I don't know if they were, did they say they're three tons each and you can see how they just are built and even the guides will talk about how you can't get nothing in between and different things like that and maybe paraphrasing or maybe don't understand as well as I should, but it's amazing what happens and that was God's first Bible. That was God's first Bible that would come together and be built in such a way, layer by layer by layer, brick by brick by brick all the way to the top and in the original it was capped with a white limestone, they would say, and it, w- it would shine. It, was, it wasn't just bricks that you would see from the outside, but they had this smooth white layer on the outside, and as the sun would hit it, it must have been quite the sight. It must have been an amazing thing. There's a new Jerusalem that's shaped just the same way. One day we're going to a place where love will reign supreme. Brotherly kindness will reign supreme. All of the different things that we're we're building character for now is so that when we get to the other side, we know how to mete out judgment. We know how to do the things that we ought to do. We know how to treat each other. We're not just robots when we get to heaven. There's something conscious that we are. There's something that we're developing now for when we get there. Maybe the musicians could come. Brother Brandon would say, "And above everything, love God and love one another and be humble with God and around one another and God will bless us and it's hard telling what he will do. Usually when a church begins to get in numbers and get a little bigger or something like that, then they get away from the real thing. If you can play something softly. Do you know what brought these things to pass? When I first started and the Lord appeared to me down on the river and told me that. And Brother Vale saw that. And I believe in a paper in Canada many years ago where the angel of the Lord appeared on the river and it was Associated Press, Mystic Light over a local minister while baptizing. When we had the tent meeting just across the street, a tent that seated, oh, 2,500 people. Ministers come from everywhere and said, brother, come here a minute. I was just a boy. Oh, just a kid. And, He said, how do you keep those people in one accord? They just love, they love one another till I I haven't seen people love one another. That's the Lord. That's what the church was established, this church was established upon, that godly brotherly love for one another. I've seen them even shake hands with one another, leaving the place and cry like babies to leave one another. They loved one another. That well, and I could go to their house and visit them. And times the Bible was laying open and stained with tears. Coming at night time, where fathers and mothers were gathered together, their little children around the floor kneeling around, and fathers and mothers on their knees, crying and praying. I'd stand at the door and wait and wait and wait, and they didn't stop praying. I'll just sit down on the steps and start praying myself, waiting for them. That was, and they love one another. We used to sing that old song, blessed be the ties that bind. Our hearts in Christian love, the fellowship of kindred mind is like to that above. When we asunder part, it gives us inward pain. But we shall be joined in heart and hope to meet again. I say this with great joy in my heart to Christ. Many of them are sleeping around these graves marked tonight, waiting for that great resurrection where we'll meet together again. Let not that spirit ever depart from this place. If it ever does, then I don't care how eloquent your pastor might be or how well he might be on the word of God, the spirit of God is grieved away. See when we can have all these things in fellowship, in common, and love one another, then God will work with us. And we're keeping time that people might come by and say, if you want to see a Christian church that's really humble, a church that really loves God, Drop in up there at that tabernacle one time and watch them. Look at how the, the care they have for one another, the respect when the gospel is being preached, how reverent, how everything is just in order. See, they, they can look and see the time we're living. I think about I, it struck me this morning, what a great light that's been given in this generation. And did the neighbors know? Just down the street. Do they know? Do do people know down the street what great light is shining right here? Do we care enough to try to make something to do something, to live in a salty way that someone would want to go visit that church, that would want to come through the doors? The light of the hour is here. Let it shine. They can look and see what time we're living. You'll see the Spirit of God moving among you. Great signs and wonders and things will be taking place. If the thing is working together, it's telling the time. But if it isn't working, the time is stopped. It won't tell the time no more. So if we want to know what time we're living, just start everyone working together in the gospel, loving one another, loving God, and the hands itself will tell the time that we're living in. Do you believe that? Sure, the Lord bless you richly. What are you playing, sister? No longer a slave to fear. Oh, I'm no longer a slave
0: to fear. I am a child of God. You have chosen me Love. And you rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child. I'm no longer a slave.